Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. What's up, beautiful people? You glad to be here tonight? I am so glad that you're here. Uh, well, welcome to Audacity Church. Uh, we really are glad you're here. Uh, we want this to be a place that you can call home. Uh, my wife and I uh, are the founding pastors of this uh, hot mess, and uh, we started it in a living room. Uh, hot mess, hot and good looking mess. Uh, and uh, man, we are just so glad about, uh, happy with all God is doing in our church and through you as a people. And so the last few weeks, we have been in a series called The Lion Chaser. And the whole idea and the concept behind the lion chaser is a story. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're only going to read one verse uh, to start off tonight. It's in Genesis chapter, that's a lie. How about 2 Samuel chapter 23? And uh, I've already started off lying, which is awesome. Uh, Turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 23. We're just going to read one verse. I'm going to give you some context. And then we are going to apply the third principle of what it means to be a lion chaser. And Benaiah. Everybody say Benaiah. I'm going to start calling him Benny Benaiah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehadiah, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerials of Moab. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. Let's pray together. Father, we do love you. Love you so much. We are so... Uh, We're just in awe. We get to gather together. We get to sing to you. and We get to make much of your son Jesus. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and lives and to encompass this place. Father, I pray that um, your Holy Spirit would speak boldly into our lives. They would challenge us to chase the lions in our lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a king named David. David had a bunch of guys that hung around him. Some people would call them thugs. Other people would call them pirates. Um, And David has been anointed king by the last of the judges. He's a prophet named Samuel. But he's in this season of waiting. Has anybody ever been in this season of waiting? (laughs) And in this season of waiting, God surrounds him with some men that will eventually help him lead the kingdom in the nation of Israel. And so as a record for us, this is like a history book, but it's a narrative that all points to Jesus. It all points to God as the creator of all things. We get this glimpse into the men that surrounded David. There were, they called, they called the mighty men of David. And this is a story about one of them. He was the captain of David's uh, army. He was, the, um, he was a pretty big deal. The Bible tells us that there were three that surrounded David. And it says this about Benaiah. He was a really bad dude, but he did never make it into the three. I'm like, he chased a lion. What do you have to do to get into the three? Really, give Benaiah a break. But we learned a couple of things from them. What would, what would, why would we chase a lion? Like if there's a lion in your life, something that you know you're supposed to accomplish, something you're supposed to do for the kingdom of heaven, for your life, for your family. Well, it takes a crazy person to take on a lion. And so we learned a few things from Benaiah. The first thing we did is we learned that we had to unlearn our fears. We're only born with two fears. 
Two, every other fear has been learned. And parents, we do a hot mess of a job teaching our children fears that they don't need to have. So we talked about how we unlearn our fears is by spending time in God, with God. And when we spend time in His presence, that we will unlearn fears that we don't need to carry. We also learn how to embrace uncertainty. Once you start chasing after a lion, you can guarantee some uncertainty is going to come. And so we learn how do we embrace uncertainty and what we do with that. And so this week, I want to kind of empower you to chase greatness. I think so many times we limit what God wants to do and can do through us. If you're anything like me, you've got a long list of reasons of why God can't use you in this area. Or why He can't use you in that area. Instead of saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I want to challenge you tonight to chase greatness. Greatness isn't uh, easily come by. And so I think I'm going to give you three things that I want you to apply to your life in order to chase greatness. But I think it's also important for me to set a line for this church. And so that's where I'm going to close a little teaser. The dessert at the end is going to be, what should our lion be this year and how can we tackle it together? So if you're writing things down or you like to do that, write this first thing down. How do you chase greatness? The first thing you have to do is be willing to risk. Man, some of our experiences on this side of eternity will not make sense until we cross over the other side. There's pain that you've had to endure. There's trials that you've had to overcome. There are shortcomings that you have in your life that don't make sense and they're more frustrating to you than anything. And we might not understand this side of eternity why these things happen or at least understand them much later or much further down the road. See, a lion chaser has to really do two things in order to, um, to be willing to risk. One, we have to be humble enough to believe that God is the one that's in control. And we have to be brave enough to follow Him wherever He leads. So the only way you're going to be able to will, the only way you or I will be willing to risk is if we do it in humility, trusting that God is in complete and divine control of our lives, and we do it bravely. We're like, you know what, that's a big line. That's a big goal for me to accomplish in 2016, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to chase this lion, and I'm gonna, I don't care if it's snowing, I don't care if it runs into a pit, I'm going to chase it down. And I'm going to do that because I want to be willing to risk. And what I mean is you might not understand this side of eternity. Let me give you a, a brief story. I'll try to help wrap that around. There's a guy named Steve Jobs. Anybody ever heard of him? Okay, everybody? All right, awesome. So Steve Jobs, pretty smart dude. And he is in college, and he has no idea what he wants to do with his life. He's confused. He's really restless. And so Steve Jobs decides he's going to take a class that I probably would have never signed up for. Maybe you did. Steve Jobs signs up for a class called calligraphy. He wasted college money, not a big deal, and took a class To learn how to write in different, what we would call fonts. Makes no sense. Now, what Steve Jobs said in the commencement speech that he gave in a college on the West Coast. He said, your computer would probably only have one font if it wasn't for that calligraphy class. Because it was that time in that calligraphy class that I decided that the computer that I was going to make was going to have more than one font. 
So you might be going through something right now that seems almost to make no sense at all. But maybe down the road, God's going to use it to wrap something or else make it all connect the dots, all come back together. Are you, uh, let me ask you this. You know, this is a, another thing that I hear people say all the time. I, I, you know what? I'm really not qualified for that. Have you read your Bible? God is in the business of calling the unqualified and the inept to do things to accomplish His purposes. It's almost like He is using uh, my favorite SNL, George Bushism, is strategery. It's almost like God is divinely using strategery to seek out the most unqualified and inexperienced people to do the greatest things for Him. It makes no sense. But that's what happens when we're willing to risk, when we're willing to chase a lion. And I firmly believe the more that you are willing to risk, the more God can use you. Are you really serving God's purposes or are you asking God to serve your purposes? Because we're not asking God to serve our purposes. It's easy not to risk. You know, I really firmly believe that good can be the enemy of great. I'm comfortable. I don't want to rock the boat too much. If I have to give of, up that, that might cost me too much. Or, you know, I've worked really hard to get where I am, so I don't know that I want to lose what I have. And good can be the enemy of great. I think we have to understand that God's ways are not our ways. The prophet in Isaiah, he's speaking on behalf of God. And this is what he says in chapter 5, verse 8. For my thoughts, this is God, are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways, uh, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are high, higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are your thoughts. What might God be asking you to risk? Will you be humble enough and brave enough? To pursue it. Maybe it's a line of giving. Maybe you know you need to trust God with your tithe. And you're like, God, man, that's a little uncomfortable. I can barely pull it off as it is now. You know what? I'm going to trust you. Maybe your line is serving. Maybe you're like, I am scared of pastor's kids. And that's why I don't want to serve upstairs. Man, I I feel you. I feel you. You guys think it's mercy. It's amazing. Uh, She's stealth. She's like the ninja of the family. But maybe you're, there's another area that you want to serve in. Or maybe you're supposed to go back to school. Maybe you're supposed to start school. Maybe you're supposed to finish something. What is it that maybe you're not willing to risk? Maybe God is asking you to pursue something great. And we have to be willing to risk. The second thing, if you like to write things down, write this down. Don't settle. You know, there's a difference between contentment and lying chasing, and I will be the first to admit that. But oftentimes there's sin in our lives that is uh, shortchanging God. And when we shortchange God by not being obedient to Him, we shortchange ourselves. You know, I think for a lion chaser, we need to have the fear of missing out to become stronger than the fear of messing up. Man, I say this at Audacity all the time if we aren't failing, we aren't trying. If we've not messed up or something didn't work out, then we are not doing, we're not being creative enough. And I want to live that own way in my life. If I'm not stretching myself, then I am not trying. You know, we, uh, there's this idea that faith eliminates risk. I don't believe it does. I believe that walking in faith is a risk in itself. I think the greatest risk 
is placing your faith and trust in Jesus. And if you fully surrender your life over to Him, what you're asking of Him, what you're committing to, is risky. You're saying, I will go anywhere and I will do anything, only lead me. It's a scary thought. I don't want you to settle because I spoke about this a little bit last week. There's so many people that live life with regret. And regret almost becomes, uh, it makes it, you can't move. Regret keeps you where you are. And I think at the end of our lives, the only regrets that we will have is that we didn't seek God sooner or seek Him more. We didn't live in His presence daily. I think the only regret that you or I will have is not getting out of the boat. Not wading into deeper waters and trusting God for the impossible. There's a story in the book of Matthew that the disciples had spent a long day ministering and Jesus kind of sends them over. And then Jesus goes off to send the people away and to pray. And then uh, he's walking on the water, right, in the middle of a storm. Peter looks out and Peter says this, and this is in verse 28 of Matthew 14. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And the Lord Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. And he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. The most convicting, I've had many. most convicting moment I've ever had in my personal quiet time. In my personal devotion, not studying to preach, not studying to teach, but just in, I have a completely separate quiet time that's just me and Jesus. And I was reading in my bed, this is probably, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and I'm reading Matthew chapter 14, it says Peter walked on water, tells the story, and I closed my Bible and laid it on my nightstand. Like somebody just didn't walk on water. Because the story had become so familiar to me, the, remo- the meaning of it was almost removed from the application of my life. Peter walked on water. See, for Peter, not settling, uh, um, sinking, in his case, would have been better than just sitting and watching. And so many times I think we sit in our comfort instead of getting out and walking on the water. There is no such thing as following Jesus and it being a risk-free faith. You have to be willing to risk. You have to be willing to pursue your calling. We can't settle for comfort. We have to be willing to chase the calling that God has on our life. Number three, I want you to pray audaciously. And when you pray, I want you to believe audaciously. This long before this church had a name. Um, I, I, we, as we prayed and sought God's face, and we, we wanted it to be unique. And audacity means boldness or daring with reckless disregard for personal safety or conventional thought. So when you pray, I want you to pray audaciously. When you need God to move in your life and work a miracle, I want you to believe as though He's already accomplished it. Will you pray and believe audaciously? Because if not, this is my fear. I want, I want this quote. is by a guy named Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Talk about a dude that was hosed in kindergarten. 
like, we're going to learn to write our name. I'm like, no, we're not. My mama named me Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. I want you to let this quote resonate. This is what he says. Hell begins the day God grants you the vision to see all that you could have done, should have done, and would have done, but did not do. I think it's worth repeating. Hell begins the day God grants you the vision to see all that you could have done, should have done, and would have done, but did not do. Do you know why most of us don't chase lions? Do you know why most of us don't pursue the impossible? It's because of regret. I'm sure you're like me and you have something that you did that you wish it's an action regret. Like when I did that, I wish I wouldn't have done it. It's, It's an action regret. But do you know what I think stings a little bit deeper? Are the inaction regrets. The things that we wish we would have done, or man, I should have done that. And both of those can be paralyzing. All of us have action regrets. But I think the missed opportunities of inaction regrets sting deeper. Because it, it asks this haunting question that says, what if? What if I would have trusted God? What if I would have chased that lion? What if I would have been willing to risk just a little bit more? You know, we usually regret our actions, the action regrets over the short term. Our inaction regrets are the ones that haunt us a lifetime. What I want you to do is take those action regrets because we all had, we've all had them, we've all done them. And I want you to channel them into being more courageous and being a lion chaser in your life. I want to read Matthew 11 to you because I, this wasn't, going to, wasn't in here until the day before yesterday. Because I want you to really get on the inside of who you are. Because I think we get our butts kicked in life. Right? We miss a promotion. We don't get that raise. She said no. For some of you ladies, I'm sorry. You said yes. Um, no, that would be an inaction regret or an action regret. But we get to these places in our life where we're like, okay, who am I? And I want you to hear what Jesus says about a guy named John. John, Jesus says this in Matthew 11, verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has never arisen no greater than John the Baptist. It's pretty cool. God says there is no one greater ever born by a woman besides John the Baptist. Jesus doesn't stop there because then he has something to tell you. Jesus doesn't stop there because then he wants you to know something about yourself. And this is what he says. Yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. See, John the Baptist is pre-Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. John the Baptist is pre-Holy Spirit indwelling people. If you study your scripture carefully, you'll realize that prior to the day of Pentecost, which is the the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. It was written by a physician named Luke that followed Jesus. And he basically writes this book to give an account for Paul. He's, He's writing a testimony because Paul has to go to court and he has to give these papers. And so he writes two accounts and that's where the book of Acts comes from. In the book of Acts, there's this, Day when the Holy Spirit falls onto the church. 
and indwells the believer. Prior to that day, the Holy Spirit only rested on top of people. So when you and I get to heaven, and I know I've said this a lot, but man, pretend like you're hearing it for the first time, so it's just as good as it was then. When you get to heaven, you're going to ask Benai, man, what was it like? How did, man, how did you do that? Why, why are you so brave? You're going to ask Moses, Moses, really, man? You messed up for 40 years. You're, you're wandering around aimlessly, not even knowing what you want. But then you got this boldness about you. And, you, and it's like God started to speak through you. And you know what? Benaiah, Moses, Jeremiah, David, Daniel, Abraham, on and on and on. These mighty men and women of the Old Testament are going to come up to you and say, What was it like to have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you? Why didn't you chase more lions? Why weren't you willing to risk more? What was it like to live with the Holy Spirit of God? Because Jesus says that John's the greatest person ever born of man. And then he says that you and I as the least in the kingdom of heaven are greater than the greatest man who had ever lived prior to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You are great. You have the ability Chase lions. You have the ability to let the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you. You're going to have to be willing to risk. If you want to chase a lion. You cannot settle over contentment for your calling. You have to be able to chase your calling. And if you're unfamiliar, maybe you don't have clear direction on what it is that you should be chasing this year. Man, spend time with God in prayer. Spend time unpacking His Word. Say, God, what line do you want me to chase this year? What is it that you want me to, to, to try to accomplish? May I just want to be recklessly abandoned in trusting you. I want you to have hope that you can chase the lion and you can overcome it this year. I want you to pray and believe audaciously. So how do we as a church chase greatness? What is audacity's lion uh, for this year? You know, I, we, we say this a lot, but we don't want to be, we do want to be great for the kingdom. I think it's important. We are followers of Jesus. We represent the kingdom of heaven. We advance the kingdom of heaven by taking the name of Jesus to a place of people that are lost, broken, confused, and disenfranchised. We show them that there is love and there is hope. We not only want to be great for the kingdom, but we want to be great for our city. So I want us to continue to think outside the box of how we impact our city. How we take care of people that are the least of these, the broken and the disenfranchised. But I also want us to be great in the city. I want us to be great in the kingdom. You know, I don't want us to be a church that criticizes culture. I would much, much more... I would like us to create culture, create an environment where people can connect with God in a real and meaningful way. I don't want to be a church that curses the darkness. I want to be a church that lights a candle and takes it and gives people hope. I want to be a church where people feel that they can be themselves, broken, confused sometimes, but lion chasing, great faith, mighty men and women of God as well. The health of audacity is always measured by how fully we worship, how diligently we learn and study scripture, 
how intently we pray and seek the face of God, and as important, how deeply we love not only each other, but the community in which God's called us to. So I want us to be a church that loves well and leads well and serves well. We had five locations when we knew we were moving. Most of you know the story of why we decided, why we had to move, and I won't bore you with it tonight. We had five locations that we narrowed it down to. And then from there, it was narrowed down to basically three. And once we narrowed the list down to three locations that we were praying over in a very short amount of time, do you know this one was last? It was last on the list. It was last on the list for a variety of reasons, but the main reason was moving to Saturday nights. There is a church that meets here on Sunday mornings called All Nations. And uh, so we had some hesitancy, some uncertainty about moving to a location and meeting on Saturday nights. And what would that do for our church? And, and what was God doing and what was he up to? So we moved here with some uncertainty. This week, All Nations Church uh, put in their notice. They'll no longer be here in a few months. And uh, I'm so stoked for them. They have a building that's about a mile and a half from here. And man, I want to celebrate that. I'm so, I'm excited for them. I know God's got great things in store for them and for us as we serve alongside them. So what does that mean for us? I want the lion of audacity in this season to be about reaching more people. I want the lion of audacity in this season is about giving people more options. I want the lion of audacity to see a record number of people and families give their their hearts and life to Jesus. So this is the lion I want you to help me chase. I want to believe that we can go to two services in like three months. Look around. That's intimidating for a pastor that's looking at like 40, 50 people. I know there's a ton of upstairs serving and kids as well. This is what I want to do. I want us to believe that God wants to do something so special in the next few months because of you. That God wants to do something so special that in a few months, not only do we have a Saturday night worship service where people can connect with Jesus, but we also have a Sunday morning to offer people as well. It's a big lion. It was at the very bottom of my notes so that maybe I didn't even have to say it tonight. I'm honest. I was like, well, you know, I don't even know if I should say that. I want us to be willing to risk. I want us to not settle for being content, but chase the calling, which our calling as a church is to love God, to serve others, and to go make disciples. That's our calling. This means we're going to have to risk more. This means we're not going to be able to settle and it means we're going to have to pray and believe audaciously. And do you know what makes audacity so special? It ain't me. It isn't our teaching team. You guys can get your socks blessed off next week. I'm not preaching. Um, <coughs> um, you, uh, it's not our worship team, as good as they are. It's not our kids' ministry, as great as it's random led. It's not a building. What makes this place so special is you.
What makes people want to come here and connect? It's you. It's not me. It's not a board. It's you. And so it's you that are going to help tackle this lion. It's you that's going to have to become a professional inviter. It's you that are going to have to have a passion for people and constantly be aware in helping grow the kingdom. I wrote this down uh, <clears throat> December, the beginning of December. We had the department leaders uh, meet for an overnight at a, um, um, a, a church camp. And um, we prayed over everyone. We prayed over you guys. Um, we prayed that God would give us direction. And before I went there, I was praying about what do I see audacity becoming? Like if you were to ask me, what is the audacity that I see? And so as I present this giant lion to you tonight, as I challenge you to chase your own lion, I want you to know what I see. I see a church who loves those outside their walls as much as they love those inside. I see a church where hurting people can find grace and healing. I see a church where worship leads us towards reverence, wonder, and awe. I see a church moved with compassion to minister to those to the least in our city. I see a church where we find fulfillment in Christ alone. I see a church solely dependent on the Holy Spirit for strength, for power, and for direction. I see a church busting at the seams where there's standing room only because people want to be given the hope and they want to worship the creator of the universe with us. I see an, a church unable to contain all that God is doing. Where the miracles of the past are as expected in our present. I see a church so creative and forward thinking. That culture around us attempts to duplicate the things that we do to reach people. I see a church raising up and educating an entire generation of world changers. I see a church supporting and advancing the kingdom of heaven through church plants and mission projects around the globe. I see a church overcoming darkness with light and realizing that our call, our responsibility is taking over enemy territory. I see a church who's emulating Jesus. I see a church that's you. So my commitment to you is to run alongside you. As you chase the lines of your life. My prayer. My challenge to you. Is I want you to run alongside this church. And let's chase the lion. Of giving people more options. Of serving more people. And loving more people. Do you remember Peter? He was more willing. To get out of the boat. He was, he was going to sink. Instead of sit. Peter is walking in the middle of a storm and he sees Jesus and the dude walked on water. That's the end of the story, right? I mean, <laughs> and he sinks. And you know, if I was Peter, I think I might be scared to ever get in the water again. Just being honest with you. There's this beautiful story. Jesus has died. He's been buried. And he's resurrected. And Peter, in the midst of his confusion, he says, I'm going fishing. 
Peter does what he did before. The Bible tells us that Peter fished all night. And when they're coming to shore, he sees somebody cooking breakfast, just fish and chips, winning. And he notices who it is and he says, hey, cast your nets on the other side. And the beautiful thing to me about Peter is when he realizes that it's Jesus he strips down to his underwear and he jumps into the water and he doesn't even wait. He just dives in again. So maybe for you, you've dove in before and it didn't work out the way that you wanted to. Will you chase your line and will you dive in again? Will you be willing to risk it all again for the name of Christ? Will you be willing to pray audaciously and will you be willing to not choose contentment over the call that God has on your life. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.